Hello, I just want to start off this podcast by making you aware that a new training phase has started today on JST Athlete, JST Train and on the JST Train class programme as well. Steve and David go into detail on this podcast about how this next phase of training will look for JST Athlete and JST Train, JST Athlete in particular. JST Train class will be a little bit different but expect one to three similar workouts or sessions per week that are in JST Athlete. The reason why we do this is to keep the community as close together as possible, but still keep it a GPP program. Uh, a big thing we like to emphasize is that being a better athlete doesn't make, make you a better person. And that is something that we really do believe is just being humble. But to go into a, a little bit more detail, if you're not aware what JST Athlete is, so JST Athlete is for the person who is an aspiring competitor or is a competitive athlete, ranging from intermediate level, and I'd say that someone is someone who is looking to progress from classes, and you may not have all the movements down yet, for example, ring muscle-ups, handstand walks, don't worry if you've not got those, uh, you can still follow, uh, follow JST Athlete um, and we give you guidance on how to follow JST Athlete uh, as well. All the way up to semi-finals and games level athletes, you know, if you've got 90 minutes or more to train per day, you can complete this program following the lower rep and set ranges that we, that we give. And again, we do give information on how you can tailor the program to yourself. It's pretty important to just be when you look at the program it is easy to be overwhelmed but just have like a flexible perspective you don't need to do everything in there go through the information in the welcome pack and it will um, like I say uh, give you guidance on how to get the most out of JST Athlete. For JST Train that is a condensed version of JST Athlete that can be done in 60 minutes what you've got to remember is though that on JST Train you don't get the same communication and feedback with coaches on GST Train as you do on GST Athlete. Um, so you do get a lot more value on GST Athlete, um, which is something to bear in mind there. If you want to try or do a seven day trial on GST Athlete or GST Train, um, you can follow the links below. Uh, again, there's more information in those links below as well. And same for the class program. Uh, follow the link below wherever you listen to this podcast or you can email us um, to get some more information too. So enjoy the in-depth conversation between Steve and Shrunke and we'll catch you soon. Okay, we're on. David, how are we doing? Very well, thank you, sir. How are you? I'm good. You seem like you're in sunny, sunny Sweden there. Yeah, I've got one of those. My background looks like one of those green screens that you choose on. On Zoom, but I've actually got it. <laughs> yeah. well, mine could be one of them as well, but, you know, just happened to be... Yeah, if, if you had a gym, swim, just in the gym with Phil Roy doing some bar muscle ups. <laughs> and, or, or maybe your twins, Stephen and uh, <laughs> Phil Roy as well. Cool. Um, all right, so we're just going to go through. Uh, we're going to briefly touch on our last phase of training, which was pronounced Smurrsbrog. 
You haven't butchered that at all. Go on, tell me how it's pronounced. Smurgos board. So I was nowhere near. Smurgos board. Which uh, the translation was, if I remember this correctly, it was kind of like a it's a like a meal or like a platter that you can order in in Sweden, um, where it's just got like a little bit of yeah. Um, um, and that's kind of uh, yeah, and that's what the the phase entailed really. Um, yeah, just a little bit of everything. I've been kind of following it. I think a couple of days in between, in the middle of the phase, there were a little injury and, and popped out. But yeah, it's exactly it was exactly that. Like I feel like every single day. Um, although there was some similarities in there week to week, but every day we were just completely hitting like a different energy system or movement pattern. Um, what was your kind of thought process when you were kind of putting together? like the different types of training that we're hitting kind of day to day and like how that, um, like how is that important over a month's training given the the time of year that we're in? So um, it was, the basis was exactly what you just described there. It was trying to hit on a little bit of everything. Um, For most of the people following this uh, phase or pretty much everyone following this phase, Uh, their season has just come to an end. And so they've probably just come to an end uh, of a period of very structured and very specific training that was aimed at uh, the Open. Uh, And now that season has come to an end. It's a time both physically, but also almost more importantly, mentally to, to kind of like just like uh, get away and have like a bit of not so much a not necessarily just a physical delo but a bit of a mental escape from having like specific structured style of training um towards a towards a competition uh and so a way to get away from that was to just have a bit of a go of doing lots of different things so we had some strongman sessions in there we had some longer more brutal aerobic workouts in there we had some barbell stuff we had lots of just gymnastic pieces tied in with uh, like regular uh, CrossFit workouts. It's um, yeah. so it's just to kind of have a little bit of a touch on everything, get away from doing the same thing, and um, and within that also prepare us for what we need, give us some data, and give us some feels for what we're going to need for the the new phase starting now. Yeah, it's a uh, it's actually something. So we did a similar phase at the end of. So, so, well, at the end of last season or the start of last season where it was kind of the, the same um, kind of approach where I get people out of the gym, we repeated it like the like we did the indoor triathlon this time last year. Um, yeah. People out of the gym. It was actually something that I didn't do too much of as an athlete. I don't know about you, just like in the earlier years, because it was just kind of like, it was just full on, like CrossFit, 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 barbell gymnastics, like lift do a bit of conditioning like everything was very gym based um yeah and you and you almost it almost needs to be it's very easy when you finish the season you're both for most people you end up being quite motivated to get started into the next season because you can see where you've where you failed and and use those failures to then start planning okay this is what i need to work on next season so it's very easy to get straight into that but then you also risk that potential burnout because you haven't had that period of just letting go and like like you say like getting out of the gym doing some odd workouts doing some more like team workouts and pair workouts as well um so it's i think it does i wish i'd done a little bit more of this earlier on because yeah. i think it would have made the rest the latter part of my or when i've started training like properly for the season more effective because yeah. i'd had that time to just like let go yeah completely um 
I, and I agree. I wish wish I had done it a little bit more because you always found like after that after that competition when your season ended, whether it be open or regionals, like you say, you've got that motivation. But it doesn't that's that that wears off after a couple of weeks, and it's at that point that it's wear, worn off. Then you just like mm. then you hit like that little bit of a lull. And I find like this like month, and we did a similar like type of month last year. You don't get that lull. Um, you've actually, you get to that two or three week point and then you're like, right, now I'm actually feeling really good and I'm really ready to get stuck into the next like block of training and really start like ironing out any weaknesses and building up my strengths uh, and just preparing kind of for the next season. So as I think it's good just uh, that people understand like why we do, why they've just done what they've done, um, yeah. which leads us on to, what are they going to be doing next? Um, we've got a hefty phase length coming up, haven't we? A, uh, <laughs> seven weeker. Quite a chunky phase to begin to begin with. Yeah, seven weeker. Um, yeah, we're yet to have a phase name. So actually, we're putting this out there to everyone that's going to watch this video, is that based off the conversations that we have and the explanations uh, that come through, someone needs to come up with a name for this phase and potentially also a theme that will base this whole year around. Um, if someone's creative, our creative juices haven't cracked. We've been thinking for a couple of weeks, but we've not come to a uh, decision, have we? So, No, but we were, we were thinking in terms of what, whatever the phase length, whatever the phase, this first phase was called, and like the the general the year the theme that the year has it is a theme that involves like some progression so if it was like the the example that you used of agriculture this would be the early stages of like preparing the soil and yeah. sowing the seeds and yeah. then like latter stages once the seeds have like grown into plants you have to harvest it and that's when you're competing so that kind of thing as well something something with some progression in it yeah, yeah. Because uh, I think last year it was a little bit of a mix of that and it was a little bit of a mix of like building a house and laying the foundations. But I think it'd be good to have like the same theme just for a bit of crack, really, throughout the um, throughout the year. So yeah. on to this phase. We've got multiple different things. And for everyone that's not yet locked, if you check out on um, the first day of the phase, which is going to be Monday the 7th. 9th. 9th of May, check out the um, the overview text there because there's, there's a good, uh, a very good amount of detail that David's put in there, just explaining every kind of portion, like the, the weightlifting side of things, the strength work, conditioning, gymnastics, movement mechanics, workouts, just goes into good detail there. But, and we're gonna go over that detail now, but maybe just like layering a little bit more kind of explanation on that detail as mm. well. Um, mm. So, Kick us off first on there with uh, the weightlifting. This is actually an area that I personally haven't done a huge amount of in, in my training and um, in the weightlifting side. The no contact, the no uh, hot grip, and the no feet variations. I've done bits of it before, but not to this extent where you go quite heavy. It was always like used as a drop-off set or a build-up set like as a bit of a warm-up to drill some technique. Um, so I'm mm. going to try to see how it go by actually taking those variations like to a higher level of intensity-wise. 
Um, mm. Talk to me about your thoughts about putting those variations in, how you feel that they'll benefit people and how it works into the rest of the, uh, the plan. So um, as you said there, these are movements that are often or sometimes used as like warm-up sets to kind of drill good technique, good bar path, and that you can then carry over to the regular lifts once you uh, put, once you add in the, the hook grip again and the contact with the bar and moving your feet. Um, the reason why we are using them in the weightlifting at the moment is because the one of the main focuses for this phase is going to be on building raw strength. And by raw strength, we mean... Uh, lower body pushing, hip hinging, upper body, horizontal push-pull, vertical push-pull, uh, and also the trunk stabilization that you need to build in order to, to keep the trunk and the spine stable whilst you're moving a barbell and moving yourself around a bar as well. Um, while we're building that strength, we have to be careful with how much we're also uh, pushing in the weightlifting because uh, our body only has, like, we have a, 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 a fixed, like, capacity or a like we only have a certain amount of energy that we can dedicate to both performing in training and also recovering from it. So if we're trying to build this raw strength and we're also trying to lift really heavy on the cleans and the snatches as well, it can become like problematic because your potential to overtrain or under recover. Or even if you get through it, maybe just not make as much progress on the strength elements as you could. So at the moment, we're going to the weightlifting instead of that being heavy and trying to build like the raw strength with the, the deadlifts, the squats, the bench and the strict press and the pulling as well. We're going to have the focus on the strength and then the weightlifting, the loads are going to be reduced. And the reason and they're going to be reduced automatically, because when you do the no hook, the no contact and the no feet variations, uh, the reason why you do those is because it makes the movement more difficult, essentially, and it forces you to take to move the bar in a way that is more efficient because you don't have the help of a hook grip, for instance, which allows you to be able to keep uh, a stronger grip on the bar and potentially, if you're doing it wrong, use your arms more. You don't have the contact with the bar. So and we can go through these specifically, actually, and, and talk about like the reason that what each one does. Um, but each one is essentially going to force you to uh, fix technical errors and also is going to limit how much you can lift. So even when we're lifting a 4RM or a 3RM or a 2RM, where we've got the same like high focus uh, on the movement that we would have if we were doing a regular lift. We've got the same effort physically that we have on a regular lift, but because we're limited by the, the variations, we're not going to be able to lift as much load relatively. So we're still working hard. We're still improving our technique, but we're not taking away from the, the recovery that we need for the, for the lift, for the strength work. Yeah, and you know, I, I, when I kind of obviously I've seen through the whole whole phase and like how it's how it's structured, and what the part that excites me and I kind of understand that that's going to just take a cap on the intensity there of the weightlifting, so I get more of my uh, pennies towards the the raw strength building. Um, but I don't know, I don't have a clue what I'll hit for a three RM no hook grip snatch. Like I literally don't have a clue, but you could you could tell me right now, like what would you hit for a three RM snatch right now? And I would be within two kilos either side, I think. Like, yeah, and it's yeah. just kind of like for me, someone who's done CrossFit for a while, it's quite exciting as the challenge um, as to like, oh, well, I'm going into this session now, and I've no clue what I'm going to hit, but I'm going to learn a lot about like what I can do as an athlete in terms of what I'm capable of, and maybe what are my limiting factors to this lift or 
you know, what, what mm. parts do I struggle with? What parts do I, did I actually feel quite good? And I think that actually ties into a lot of the other stuff in line with uh, like the conditioning, the workouts in this phase as well about like, how oh, this phase isn't just about stripping things down and like building things up, um, which you know, we're, we're both um, big on pushing is training is not just about like getting better physically. It's about understanding yourself better. So that when it comes to, workouts that mean things, competitions, qualifiers, whatever they are, you're, more, you're in a more confident and better position because you completely understand what, who you are and what you're capable of as an yeah. athlete in any, in any situation. And I think these uh, like challenges like that really help prepare and just get you to understand your body in a, in a, in a better way as well. Um, don't I think, um, sorry to interrupt you there, but I, I think that that point that you've just hit on there is... Um, is a really, um, it was very well, uh, it's a very valid point and very like well explained in that like training is for training yeah, and competing is for competing. And obviously the closer you get to competition, the more training turns into more like competing. But now right at the beginning of the season is the perfect time to be treating, to be treating training exactly like that, like training, it's building, it's, it's experimenting, it's trying out different tactics and different techniques. And it's like discovering yourself as an athlete and improving your understanding of your capacity as an athlete. As, as, so as you say there, you can make more um, accurate decisions when you're competing. Yeah, yeah, you're just in a better position to make the right decisions, aren't you? Um, yeah. So the no, the no, no, no variations, what we'll call them. Um, yeah. Briefly, just touch on for me, like what can people expect from a no hook grip variation? Like what are the limiting factors there? I know you touched on it a little bit before. And then same applies yeah. to the no feet. Like what might be the hard thing there? What's that? What do they have to think about? And the no, um, sorry, no hook, no contact. Uh, yeah, the no contact variation. Um, yeah. What do they? What should people need to think about in those different variations? So I think uh, first of all, we're on all of the. I think this counts for all of the variations. Um, I would understand that, uh, like you and like me, people potentially have like little experience with these variations. So don't necessarily have go in with numbers in your head of like this is what I should be hitting on this variation. Um, just kind of take it as it comes on that first session, feel the movement out, learn the movement first, and then wherever you're for, like keep working up in like small increments, wherever that rep max ends up, that's your number for the day. And that's just the first piece of data that you have for the first week of training. But don't try and read too much into that number yet until you really start to understand the movements. Um, on the no hook variation, so no hook, uh, no hook grip uh, basically just means that you're not going to have your, your regular hook grip. You can have a, uh, a, a normal uh, full grip on the barbell. This, the reason why we use a hook grip is because it allows us to keep our arms relaxed whilst maintaining a strong grip on the bar. However, um, it can also, uh, or not using a, not using the hook grip then means that we have a uh, weaker grip on the barbell um, so that we, when we get to that point where we're really accelerating with the bar, we have to be a, a little bit more, have a little bit more finesse with it. Uh, and be a bit smoother with how we are like applying force to the barbell and how quickly we are accelerating because you don't have that hook grip you cannot just smash the barbell because yeah. it'll just fly out of your hands and you'll feel that grip oh, loosening as well it's driving into more a vertical bar path to make sure that that bar doesn't like come out of the hand which obviously you've not got that hook grip that's locking it in so yeah it's forcing that vertical um bar path yeah, and it's it almost works hand in hand with the no contact as well yeah. because you'll find that 
that people that uh if you're one of those people that you know have like a really violent contact with the barbell and you find that it swings out when you're lifting these are two things not having a hook grip and not having a contact to the bar so not allowing the bar to touch your body at any point removes the opportunity to be able to like to swing the bar out and forces you as you say to have a much more vertical bar path um Sorry, the, the, the no contact variation is actually the one that I've probably done the most out of those three. Um, and I've done them before because I, I very much rely on the speed of the, like, of the barbell when it gets to mid-thigh into the hip and that connection with the barbell in order to get the height, of the, get the height on, on the pull. Um, and I've always found that doing the no contact, it makes me try and generate that um, power and that speed a little bit earlier in the pull. Um, right. So then I'm generating, then I'm training the earlier part of the pull and generating speed there, um, and then when I do bring the hips in at a later time, I'm, I'm, I've got speed from both uh, parts, both below the knee and both uh, above the knee. That's an area that I've found uh, personally, anyway, it being very, very helpful for. Yeah, um, I think that's uh, that's one of the areas that it's uh, yeah it definitely helps with is. Uh, um, how you are applying how and when you're applying that speed to the bar um i've in the past when i've used no contact work i found it very helpful for my transition under the bar and i find that um that transition under the bar forces you to it forces it to be a bit smoother and also a bit faster as well um because as you say you can't rely on that like big point of contact at the top um also with the no hook grip and the, the no contact variations like the difference between the snatch and the clean or the difference between your regular snatch and your regular clean. Um, if you find that you do have, like you do a no hook, no contact variation, um, it's going to be interesting to see how people progress, how their regular lifts progress after we move back to the regular lifts, after we finish the no variations. Um, because if you can work, if you find one of these variations particularly difficult, chances are that's potentially where you're compensating in your regular lift as well. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. It's... Um... Yeah. And the thing is, like you said at the beginning, like everyone could be a little bit different and uh, like what's limiting each person. So every personal program could be a little bit different, but it's all about finding out yourself, like where is it in this lift that you struggle with? Does that transfer over into your main lifts when you're allowed to use like your hook grip and contact, et cetera. Um, yeah. So it's just a good, it's a good learning experience. The no feet, um, is something I'll probably also use quite a bit, but more so in a CrossFit workout setting for myself. Like when you've oh, got yeah. reps to do and you don't want to be yep. an excessive amount of foot movement. So you just kind of, you're picking in between of the, you receive and your starting position. You're picking in yeah. between and you pull from there and you squat from there and you do everything from that position and your feet don't move. Um, so I've always used it as a, as a way of like, um, making my workouts more efficient more so than as a way of uh it benefiting benefiting uh, my weightlifting training yeah um, how how do you find that the no feet will benefit the the weightlifting side of things 
So um, with the no feet snatch and the no feet uh, clean, uh, we are putting our feet, our feet are basically bolted to the ground so we're not allowing the feet to move from the ground normally when we snatch and clean we have a starting position that we begin the lift in and then after we finish the pull we would then uh, relocate the feet to a landing position or a finished position where we'd feel comfortable receiving the bar yeah with a no feet variation you're going to put your feet in a position that's kind of in between your start position and your finished position and then you're going to keep your feet bolted to the ground from there um a couple of ways that this can help uh, improve a lift or kind of improve like the technical efficiency of your regular lift. If you're one of those people that has a big jump back or a jump forward uh, in your lift, <laughs> uh, this is going to, um, the, the fact that you have to keep your feet bolted to the floor is going to make sure that obviously you can't, you can't jump anywhere. Yeah. Um, and initially that if you rely on whatever is causing you to do that jump, initially you'll find that it'll probably be difficult to, to get the weights up on this one. But then over time, as you, as you become less reliant on that mechanic, we should see that you're able to lift more weight, which then should help when you transfer, we transfer back over to the uh, regular lifts. And also with the no feet variations, we are, um, that's on a Saturday session. So that's one of the days when you're, we do the no feet variations. We work up to the rep max and then we have an every minute or an every, and every period of time, minute, uh, 75 seconds, 90 seconds, where you're then going to blend it into the regular lift as well. So you'll start with doing some no feet variations and then you'll move into no feet plus regular uh, snatch or regular clean. And that way you'll be able to feel straight away what effect that's had on your lifting as well, because you'll yeah. be able to put the two together. Yeah, I think that'd be a really, I think that will really help people see the benefit of those, like by doing it in the same session and feeling it from like, you know, 10 minutes later, how much different being able to then use um, the movement of your feet, uh, how much better yeah. that, will, that will feel. And I do, I feel like the, um, again, it's just, it's just making sure that you're pulling and applying uh, force in the right direction, isn't it? I.e. bar path, yeah. making it vertical, yeah. Um, yeah. which, you know, We've done a few workshops and, and training camps and feel like we're a little bit on repeat. But this is what weightlifting is about. It's it's vertical bar it's a bar path that's as close as possible to the body in a vertical yeah. direction. Um yeah. and if that's if that's right, like everything else should follow as long as <laughs> the building positions are there. It's it's get it can get complicated weightlifting, but you can also keep it really simple. And I think that's how simple um people need to kind of approach weightlifting um, yeah yeah i mean yeah. you can think of it you can you can look at these things uh as to keep it simple in the way you've just said there there is an ideal there are principles that every lifter will follow there are individual differences based on your like biomechanics and how strong you are in certain areas that mean that how you achieve that principle might be different but essentially we're all trying to do the same thing and these no 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 variations are just ways of targeting whatever potential technical error that you have that moves you away from that principle to get you back to it yeah cool yeah it's uh like i said i'm excited i'm excited to to, to try them out and and feel the the benefit that they they have by pushed by doing them kind of probably more frequently as in like week to week and pushing the weight on them a little bit as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're going to move into the strength portion next. Um, I'm actually going to just separate this as a different video. Um, and this is not because I don't have the upgraded version of Zoom anymore. 
<laughs> because it's about to be up in about 50 seconds. I, I did actually use okay. the upgraded version in, in lockdown, but then I decided I don't need it, but it looks like I do. Anyway, we'll do the second video uh, and we'll uh, touch on the strength and the rest of the parts of the program coming up. Cool. Stay tuned. In a bit. Hey, the other program I wanted to make you guys aware of that we do is On The Go. This program is for the person that is always on the go and just needs no-nonsense training to keep you fit, healthy and strong. There's a workout planned every day. So 365 days of the year, you know, there's a workout in there. But that doesn't mean you've got to follow all the workouts. You can scroll forward and back to pick whichever workout that, you know, suits you for that day. Uh, again, what to expect is a mixture of aerobic sessions, there's going to be intense sessions in there, but also sprinkles of functional bodybuilding as well. Um, the maximum time duration for these workouts is in around 45 minutes uh, from start to finish. We do home versions and we do gym versions as well. So like I say, you can do it wherever you are on the go. Okay, part two. David's put a jumper on. <laughs> Temperature's dropping. That sweet sun has dropped in the last uh, 30 minutes. So, um, strength work. Strength work. Let's get into it. Um, yeah, just give us an explanation of kind of like the principles that have that have been that've been used here, um, the kind of angles that we're they're going to go in at. How this six week phase seven with the deload is going to run into the kind of like remainder of the season not so much talk about the remainder of the season but how is it setting us up um for further down the line so uh strength work uh is the one of the focuses for this phase we spoke about earlier um we are building strength through four uh, main movements which are our back squat deadlift strict press and bench press um, we also then are building strength through the accessory movements that follow those movements on those days. Uh, and those accessory movements are targeting, uh, we'll talk about them more specifically later, but they're targeting muscles that contribute towards those movements and those movement pathways. Um, so as we mentioned earlier, lower body push, hip hinge, upper body push pull through the horizontal plane, uh, horizontal uh, movement, and then uh, through vertical as well. Uh, and then uh, core stuff to keep your trunk stable while you're doing the lifting. Uh, it's a two-part phase. Um, so we have two three-week uh, like blocks yeah. uh, where in the first of those three weeks, the volume is relatively high and the load is low. Then as we move through into week two, the volume decreases to a moderate level and the load increases to a moderate level. And then in the final uh, in the third week, we've got high, uh, low volume, very uh, like he relatively heavy weights. And then we repeat that for another three week phase. And that makes up si the six week training phase of this uh, seven week block. And then the seventh week we have deload. Um, we are a bit more towards like the hypertrophy end of the spectrum in this first six weeks. And by that, what I mean is that we're not handling maximal loads that are more like commonly um, associated with strength so we're not spending so much time in that kind of uh, three to six rep range uh, we're more spending time in upwards of like six to ten and in your max effort sets probably closer to kind of like the 15 16 rep range and the reason for that is that um, in terms of like building strength in the long term we've spent quite a bit of time 
high intensity, lifting heavy loads as we've just come back on off the back of a competition season. If we go straight back into doing the same thing, there's a very high chance that we're going to A, become resistant to that training and stop adapting to the strength work because the longer that we give the body the same stimulus for, the less responsive it's going to be. And B, we've got also the potential just to start getting overtrained, start to get like niggles and aches and pains just from trying to push the heavy loads for so long. So by taking a step away from that, we allow the body to resensitize so that when we do get back to those heavy loads, it responds much better to them. Yeah. Um, the second part of that is that a larger muscle has the potential to be a stronger muscle. Um, and we're not trying to add body weight for the long term so that's because we don't want to be heavier athletes, but we do by having a, a slightly um, uh, larger muscles coming off of the back of like this relatively short hypertrophy phase, we then have the potential to make them stronger for uh, as we get into the strength work in the next phase. So it just, it just it's almost uh, uh, what we call phase uh, potentiation, which is basically just arranging the, the training in an order that means that the training that we do now makes the next load of training more effective. Yeah, and I think the these are always the um, you know they're not the glamorous ends of the of the, uh, the the program are they? Like the glamorous ends are when you get the chance to like max out and put the weight, and you start thinking about the numbers. Um, this is just like, but you don't get that glamorous end uh, without this. So this is just kind of like it's the like I say we called it the, this we called this type of phase last year like laying the laying the foundations. Yeah, um, you've got to put something down there. You know, you've got to come back. We, we we hope that everyone comes back into the next competition season in a stronger, fitter, more skillful, as a better athlete. Um, so you've got to kind of step back and rebuild to be able to keep advancing on. You know, month like well, year after after year. Um, for me, like these, I love the uh, maxing out. I'll be honest, I love the ambience. <laughs> Two RM back squat, minting one ninety something, and just belting up and yeah. um, going for it. But like I've always done that off the back of something like this. Uh, and what gets me through these phases because it's not so like like glamorous. It's just knowing like that when the time comes, you're gonna get all these good quality reps in the bank, and then you know that yeah. there's a very high chance that when you get your chance to to go for it. Like you going in in a position where you can't fail really if you've stuck to it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, yeah. So that's just another good thing that I like keeping the back of mind when I go through these phases, like what gets me through them and it gets me excited for when I, I get the chance to. But yeah. Um, yeah. And this, um, I think what you said there about the, um, that this is what leads on to the sexy stuff is a very important point and one people really need to they need to think about when when you say that uh the the stuff that's posted on the gram yeah the the max the max lifts the stuff that you see in competition is not what got them to that point they're not maxing out every day we're not maxing out every day that's yeah. not that's that there's a time and a place for that for a short period of time but long before that the building blocks that lead to that pro, to that moment yeah. are what we're doing now exactly. and that's a good way to that's a good way to think about it is uh some people i personally i love this i love this stuff i love the 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 building the grinding the the, the higher volume training with the and like and that kind of like off-season grindy style training but yeah. if you're not if you're someone that lives for that for the max out 
then keep that in mind and know that you're you're laying the bricks for that for that max out later on. I think it's that's a, it's an important thing like message to get across is this phase isn't about the numbers. This phase like it's about it's not about the numbers in like the PBs. How many how much weight you're hitting? Like there'll often be like an explanation of how we want to make this set feel like eight RPE or nine RPE or six or seven or like leave one or two reps in in reserve. It's all about kind of like getting that um, that stimulus that's enough, but just making yeah. sure and it making sure that it keeps kind of like developing and progressing each week. But it's not yes. like hitting that top end stimulus every single time. Uh, yes, it's about you know building the body up to be ready for that in a future uh, yeah a future point in the in the phases when it is about peaking the strength. Um, yeah. And I think that this is something that I wish I had done a bit earlier on as well, is think more in terms of the long game and understand that I don't need to be doing now what I want to be doing in six months' time. Yeah. What I need to be doing now is making sure that the training that I'm doing now is putting me in the best possible position to perform in that six months. And that means that, like you say, that they're like follow the reps in reserve, follow what it's three, hit that three reps in reserve, hit that two, so that when you it does come time for the all-out set, the zero reps in reserve or the 10 RPE, you're ready for it because you haven't tried to push that every session up to that point. Exactly. And not only are you physically ready for it, like you're mentally like really up for it as well. Uh, yes. It's, it's also an important uh, part to it. Um, cool. And then the accessory work kind of alongside there is, again, in that phase overview, if people can have a read, there's a really good um, uh, quote or just kind of like, whatever you call it, a quote um, about strength and stability and whether if, if, if strength exceeds stability, what happens and vice versa. Um, I'll read it out there. So if strength exceeds stability, then you have a risk of injury, an increased risk of injury. But if stability exceeds strength, then you reduce the risk of injury. So in a nutshell, that says, like, if you've got loads and loads of strength, but you can't control all of that strength, then something is going to have to try and control that strength. And it usually is joints and ligaments and tendons. Um, or it could be muscle groups uh, that kind of have to try and control it, but they can't. And that's where an injury will, injury will come. But mm. if you prepare the muscles, the tendons and the ligaments to be able to control that in this period of phase now, if we go back to what we were just saying about the raw strength building, when it does get to the point where we peak that raw strength, we've got the, the stability so that when we can go for the big heavy weights, we know we can do it our body's ready for it and the, well, our body in terms of like the joints, the muscles, the tendons uh, are ready for it. And then we're probably more likely to feel better to be able to mentally be ready for it and go for it as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, again, we did a similar kind of approach to this in terms of like the single leg. There's probably going to be quite a lot of single leg work in there. Like you say, they're bulletproofing um, around the joints, like the main joints that are going to be involved um, in each movement and just making sure that everything's hitting like the different movement patterns were equally hitting every area um, so that we've not got the imbalances uh, and we should hopefully then come out of this phase or hopefully we should now after this previous phase be kind of feeling good in the body um, and continue to feel good because of this work as well. 
Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything you want to add there with the the accessory work? I know because there's a note there about the volume of that, and that's something that we had spoke about um, just the other day as well. Yeah. So um, a couple of things: the core work and the volume. So uh, the core work in, I think. Something that's uh, often neglected. I know we always, we've included quite a bit on JST Compete. I know in the past I've not included it in my own training and wish I had done more of it, is core training that focuses less on creating a movement and more on resisting uh, a movement. And by that, what we mean is uh, we're doing toes to bar, we're doing GHC setups, we're doing hip extensions. We're doing movements where our core is responsible for creating a movement as opposed to movements where uh, single arm dumbbell farmers carries, Sorensen holds, GHD face-up holds, split stance, pal-off presses. These are all movements where the, the core is responsible for staying uh, tight and keeping tension and not moving whilst uh, a weight or a force is trying to get you to rotate or flex or, or extend. And these movements are really important because that's exactly the same thing that we're doing. And that's exactly the same way that the core is having to work when we're doing our snatches, cleans, deadlifts, squats, um, our heavy carries, and a lot of mo- other movements like even like barbell cycling in, in CrossFit. So the better the core is at stabilizing the spine and keeping it where it needs to be instead of flexing then the better we can then apply force with the rest of our body and also the less uh, um, chance of injury we have as well absolutely um, i think the um the uh, the what's the word um, the saying or the way to think about it like that i that i look at it sometimes if if there is a weakness in that core there let's say we've built loads of uh, leg strength from this cycle that would then let's say you just miss all this core workout because you can't be bothered and then you're wanting the <laughs> which neither of us have uh, neither of us have definitely ever done in our <laughs> no. careers before definitely not and then you you, you sack off the core work uh and then you expect like oh yeah my legs are going to get stronger but then you start doing thrusters and you don't quite get like that carryover of this leg strength work and thrusters still feel really hard because What's happening if you do have a weakness in that kind of midsection when you're going through movements, especially when you're going through movements fast, is that energy can just kind of like dissipate because the, your whole body hasn't got that connection from the lower body to the upper body. In the CrossFit level one, they call it core to extremities. And if you have weak points from the core to the extremities, whether it's extremities back into the core or vice versa, there's going to be energy lost like out of yeah. weaker, weaker areas. Um, yeah. that's kind of what you see when you see people with um, muscular imbalances, when people maybe squat to one side, like they have a hip shift, they squat to one side, like there is going to be a, uh, an amount of energy that's lost because both legs aren't working equally. Um, yeah. so, you know, you're not working efficiently. You, you can work just as hard and work um, more effectively and efficiently by having things balanced and making sure that every area is contributing. Uh, yeah so it's important not only in injuries but also like this is like putting the dots together of all of the strength work and all of the gymnastics work yeah yeah as well i mean it's called a core for a reason right it is the it's the center of of (laughs) of everything else it's the that's the point that like you say like if that's weak we're going to get the energy leakage yeah um on the volume on the volume as well um uh, when they go through the first week of the program, especially maybe like the first week, two weeks, 
Um, the volume is low. It's purposely low. It's intentionally low. Um, it's supposed to be the if we are hitting the right reps in reserve on these exercises, we're going to be stimulating a response from the body to get stronger in those areas. And as long as we get that stimulus, we don't necessarily need a whole lot more because we've also got a bunch of gymnastics and conditioning and skill work and movement work to also get done as well. So we don't want to hammer ourselves with loads of accessory work when we're following the main trunk. Um, it's enough to give you what you need. But as the weeks go on, that volume is going to increase. So in this first week, resist the urge to add in extra sets and add in extra volume because you don't feel like you've worked hard enough because the point is you want to basically just work just hard enough to get the right get the response right now so yeah. that you leave enough in the tank that you can make progress in the next week and the following week after that and the week after that and um, because come week six you will not be feeling like you need to add more volume <laughs> yeah yeah you'll be ready for that and, yeah the uh the, the worst case would be that like you get into week one, you're fired up, you've got loads of energy, you've got, you really want to get after it. So you add in extra volume, you survive, you, you feel good week one, week two. Yeah. Okay. You can handle week two, week three and four come and you're like starting to like barely hang on and survive because you're so fatigued from weeks to the extra stuff you did in week one and two. And by week five and six, you're having to decrease the volume. Yeah. So we don't, you don't want to be doing that while everybody else is doing this. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And even you know what the, the experience I've of coaching kind of other athletes, it's um, it's quite a common thing that a lot of people, when they need to hold it back, will go for it. And when they need to go for it, they have to hold it back because they've already gone for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The same could be said in workouts as well, I think, not just in uh, <laughs> in training. Yeah. Um, cool. On to gymnastics. Uh, this is a kind of a, a cycle that we spent quite a lot of time kind of thinking about and planning. And I wish, um, I don't think we'll let people see the back end of the, the spreadsheets and um, how the kind of exercise selection, everything's been put together. But there's been a lot of detail put together in that for this, um, for them to see the kind of session that we got. So there's, there's quite a lot of thought behind to it. And there's quite a lot of reasoning, but I think it also might be quite new to a lot of people on the programme. We've done similar things in a different fashion before using the same principles, but maybe not so much um, uh, like just in this, in this way. Um, we've called it the, the tut phase, so time under tension. Um, and that's generally what we're after, is we're, we're after constant time under tension for the amount of time that each kind of set like as it started 60 seconds is it if I remember rightly yeah it's about 60, 60 seconds work in the in the first couple of weeks yep and that's the really important thing is that we want to make sure that that 60 seconds time frame is constant work it's constant time that time that your body is under tension and it's not 10 seconds work eight seconds transition, 10 seconds work transition, <laughs> because then it may as well just be 10 on, like 10 off. It's 60 yeah. seconds constant. So that, that's a really important message to get across when people choose, um, like when to move on to the next exercise um, and maybe even what exercise to start at. Um, there's levels, isn't there, in, in the, the levels that people can start on. There's levels to this. There's levels, there's many levels to this. 
Um, but there's a levels in terms of what exercise people can start and then what, then what they continue to move through um, yeah. as, the, as the kind of uh, fatigue kicks in. And the, the idea is that everyone should then continue to be able to do level four for the remainder of um, that time. Level, level one, because it's level one. down from four to one. Yeah. Yeah. What were your thought process? Because, uh, you know, we, we spoke about this. How, how have you kind of uh, attacked this in terms of planning this out for the week? So um, Steve's being modest there. This is his, uh, his uh, wizardry, the, uh, the gymnastics touch phase. And he uh, presented this idea to me, which uh, I recognise uh, you'd, you'd already used in a bit of mine and Emma's training in the past. Yeah. Um, and Emma's been doing quite a bit of it at the, uh, recently with like, pretty good success, like good progress between the sessions. Um, so uh, I took the, uh, I've taken the idea and run with it and um, uh, put together a combination of uh, pieces that attack different demands for the movement. So we identified uh, the different demands that uh, like on the body for the movement. So for example, with the ring muscle ups, we have the um, press, uh, pressing strength, pressing endurance. Um, we have the pulling and we also have the uh, like anti-extension that's required to like, when you get into the, uh, the front of your arch and then transition back into the hollow. Um, as well so they, you, you could almost call that like kind of kip endurance um, and then we've created pieces that attack these different demands on the body so you've got two of these sessions a week uh, on the Tuesday it's ring muscle up uh, followed by a toast to the bar and on the Friday it's ring muscle up follow oh sorry on the Tuesday it's ring muscle up followed by a strict handstand push-up and on the Friday it's ring muscle up followed by toast to the bar work and each session uh, although you'll be doing the same movements each week each session attacks a different demand for that movement. So the first time you do ring muscle ups, you're working on pressing uh, the pressing aspect of ring muscle up. The second time you're going to be working on the kip, the anti-extension. The third time you might be working on the pulling. And then the same thing with the strict handstand push-ups. We've got like the pressing strength, the straight arm strength and stability, and like similar aspects for the toaster bar. Um, so we're rotating through those. So by the end of the phase, you'll have done like quite a significant amount of work. Uh, in the time on detention format, working on different aspects of those movements that also don't just attack your efficient or improve your efficiency on those movements, but they also carry over to our other movements as well. So the ring muscle up is obviously going to carry over well to the bar muscle up, it's going to carry over well to the chest to bar in terms of like the pulling as well and the kipping. Uh, and the same thing goes for the other gymnastics movements as well. Yeah. I think um, like to give a bit of a reasoning behind like, you know why why we need to work for so long um if you think everyone's got a goal of like how many ring muscle ups they maybe want to do unbroken or how many chest bars they want to do unbroken and let's say mm. like, i don't know gold standardly everyone wants to be able to do 30 ring muscle ups like unbroken like whether it's possible for some people that might be you know it might be 10 for some people but you've got to be able to be able to do that your body has to be able to work in that movement pattern for that period of time. So let's yeah. say 30 ring muscle ups, unbroken, it might take, it'd probably take 90 seconds, actually. So if that's a goal for someone, this is a high-end goal, like I said, their body needs to be able to learn, to be able to work in that movement pattern for that period of time. And if it never has done, yeah. then it never will, it never will do. Like, and there has to be a progression to be able to work towards uh, being able to move in that period of 
period of time. And that's why the, you know, each, each uh, element of each movement. So like you said, the, with the ring muscle ups, we've got the press and we've got the pull and then we've got the, the kip. Like each of those elements needs to be able to work comfortably for that period of period of time to be able to bring it all together to work um, when it's the full movement and, you know, we're trying to go for, you know, like bigger sets that we've maybe not been able to do previously. Um, it's kind of like, it's just prepare, it's, it's preparing your body and putting through the stress that it needs to, to go through, although you want it to go through um, yeah. just at like a lower level in a similar way, how like with the strength work that we're doing, it's, it's working on a lower level to be able to let you go to that higher level. Um, yeah. For a lot of people, they're going to be doing, some people might not have done um, press-ups on the knees or strict dumbbell presses with five or 10 kilo dumbbells for a long time in their life, but they're going to be doing them. It's going to be right. a bit of an, e- an ego check. I was doing some, I was, I'll tell you, I did one of these pieces that, one of these pieces that, that you gave me yesterday. And I was, if anyone walked into the gym then, they would have wondered what the hell was going on. Because I was <laughs> pissing sweat and like grunting like a madman doing dumbbell rows with 10 kilos. And I was, that was like, <laughs> by that point, by that point in the piece was max effort. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, the. Um, it goes to show though, doesn't it? It's like, you want to be able to do, you know, 60, 70 chest bars unbroken. And if you're hitting that point after a minute's worth of pulling, yeah. where you're on 10 yeah. kilos and you've got a body weight yeah. of, you know, 100, possibly. <laughs> Hands possibly. Maybe 105. Um, like, they, that, that, you know why you can't do it. Like, so you need, yeah. to, you need to build up to that point. You can't expect to do it if your body's not being prepared to do it. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And the reality, and, and, and using that example of like of the time, if you think about in terms of, okay, you want to do, like we say, use the example of the 30 ring muscle-ups and say that takes, say it takes 90 seconds to do. And we have a 90 second window here. The top level for the, uh, or level four, which is the highest level for the movement that you would start on if you could do ring muscle-ups, uh, or you're following the elite um, or intermediate categories of the workout, you will do then ring muscle-ups for 90 seconds. And if you can do ring muscle-ups for 90 seconds, brilliant, you've just done 30 ring muscle-ups. But if you can't, if you can't do ring muscle-ups for 90 seconds, you can do it for a minute, then you've done that minute of ring muscle-ups, and now you're doing 30 seconds of ring dips. Yeah. Or you're doing 30 seconds of ring muscle-ups, 30 seconds of ring dips, 30 seconds jumping ring muscle-ups. So it makes sense in terms of maybe to think of it in terms of what you just said there and that we're accumulating as much time of tension under tension at the highest level that we can. And the only reason why we drop down is because we can't hold on for that period of time. Yeah. And that's, and this is where it's really important when you do drop down, because we're not asking you to go to, to physical failure um, each time we were asking you to drop down just before that failure comes yeah. so that you yeah. can then just transition. Sometimes it might mean just picking up a different bit of kit or moving your body to another station. So you can just transition pretty much instantly and keep that tension in the muscle group that needs to be, to be working. That's a really important uh, mm. detail that could make the difference between, you know, this phase being really successful and this phase like not being as successful. Um, yeah. Don't try and stick to like, big numbers just feel every rep keep feeling every rep keep feeling every rep 
And then as soon as you feel like you've hit the amount of reps that the program's told you that you need to drop down before, whether it's two to three reps in reverse or in reserve or whatever, like listen to that and, and move on. And like I said, you'll get your chance to uh, um, fill your basket full of eggs further down the line. Um, I think we should go. So we've got the movement work in there, haven't we? And there's just um, another good way of people to learn and uh, you know have a little play around with if you get extra like that extra bit of time just to kind of learn about the body, where's tight, and learn how they can um, you know keep themselves moving well. Uh, they yeah. they probably are just more like educational pieces because I think they'll probably find a lot of that from the the other work that's in the program in terms of the accessory work and and things they're, yeah. they're really valuable pieces that people can you know they might only be in the program now but you remember those pieces for the future uh like something yeah. particularly well then yeah. keep doing them just because they're not in the program like if it works really well then then just keep going with it yeah yeah the conditioning the conditioning we're um particularly proud of in terms of how it's structured um Talk to me about it. So we've got Tic Tacs on Monday. Tic Tac. Tic Tac sessions. Why is it called Tic Tac? Yeah. Tic Tacs on Monday. And then, yeah, well, then we'll go through. So Tic Tac sessions um, from the Tic Tac master himself. We are focusing on the Tac Tics and hence the name. Hopefully, hopefully, I thought this was an ingenious name. But when I told Emma, she just looked very unimpressed. So... I'm hoping that there's other people. Tic-tacs in Sweden, like, is it a thing? She knew what tic-tacs, she knew what tic-tacs were, but I'm not sure that she's grown up with that kind of, like, uh, the hype that having a, 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 a little tub of tic-tacs had at school yeah. when, when we were growing up. So I'm not sure it was as, as effective. But anyway, we're focusing on tactics on the tic-tac sessions. Um, and you and I spoke about giving each of the conditioning sessions a week a specific purpose and a specific goal. So we're not just going in there and hammering ourselves and hoping that we're improving with like pinpointing specific things that we want to focus on each session. On the Monday session, we're focusing on tactics. We're focusing on tact strategies. So how you are attacking the workout. We're still putting in a big physical effort, but we're, we're taking the priority. We're putting the, the, the priority on thinking about how where what strategy we're applying to finishing the workout as opposed to putting the emphasis on just finishing it as fast as possible by any means necessary. And to help with that learning experience, each one of those workouts has a, has some like suggestive uh, tactics and ways to approach the workout. On this first week, for instance, you're going to do your first round specifically in big unbroken sets, still sub-maximal, but you're going to go for like touch and go on the barbell. You're going to try and hold on to the wall ball for a bit longer and stay on the bar for the, for the toes to bar a bit longer. And then once you've gone through the rest and recovery after the first round, you're then going to do the same workout again, but you're going to chop it into smaller sets with short rest. And that way taking the fatigue into the account. We've got like a, a decent rest period between the pieces. You get into experience what it's like to do long, bigger sets with more rest versus smaller sets with shorter rest. And once you have that experience, you can take the results of that away. And when you next attack a workout that has 50, 70, 80, 100 reps of a movement, you can better understand how you respond to those different tactics and how to attack it. Yeah, exactly. And it's important to say that these tactics probably won't 
um, be the most effective way to do the workout in terms of it won't be the way that you're going to finish this workout the fastest. Um, and it's not, it's not what these sessions like you say are about. It's about giving you the tools so that when it comes to the time when you need to figure, figure these things out yourself, like qualifiers or events in workouts or even like mid event in the middle of an arena, when there's hundred people watching you, you need to be able to have that thought process because, you know, maybe you've got no reps left, right and center. And then you realize that, you know, you need to do like X amount of reps left and you're able to think and you're able to tune those thoughts and think and make the right decisions because you've been training this area in your training. And it's not training has not just been about going in and, and, you know, walloping yourself just for the, for the time on the stop box. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, when you said there about that, um, I take it as a, a, comp- a massive compliment. The the uh, called me the when you said on the tactic tactics the tic tacs master the the tactics master. Um, I think uh, this is something that I consider almost my like uh, my special weapon uh, when competing because I know for a fact that there have been uh, like several like many competitions and many events in the past that I've been able to perform better than people who are probably physically better than fitter or stronger than me at those workouts because I've been able to apply my fitness more effectively through using better 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 tactics in the workout having a better strategy and just generally staying switched on and thinking about how I'm moving what I'm doing being aware of other people and this is all this is all in the same effort to try and keep athletes turn athletes into like thinking athletes that are switched on and they're approaching it with like how can I get the absolute most out of my fitness in this workout by approaching it the best way possible, as opposed to just attacking it and hoping that the fitness will carry them through? Because at, to the point, the point that the sport is reaching at the moment, you can't leave those stones unturned. It's not good enough just to be fit. That like you have to be, you have to be a thinking athlete as well. Yeah, and the the word that you said there is like being able to stay focused and. Um, it's not something that you just that you just are like you aren't just you aren't good at that in an event because you were born with it like you you you, you get good at that it's a, the it's a cognitive skill that you need to train not only train when you're at rest and when you're thinking about it and you maybe you're going through it in, in like a um, in imagery and just kind of like running through the situation but you also need to do it under under fatigue uh, and be able to be have that cognitive function under high levels of fatigue and stress and pressure to be able to then do it on a competition floor or in a work, in a qualifying workout when you know the tensions are a little bit higher and this is the point now where um, you know we start to build those those tools for when it comes to 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 competing uh, those things yeah. just aren't like they're not just a, a given. Um, the the trend um tuesday tuesday yep um no no conditioning on the tuesday yep um which we've removed because uh as we spoke about earlier this earlier on the season we're not trying to bulk out the we're not trying to like hit a huge volume of training and we've got a tough training day on monday we've got a tough training day on wednesday and we've also got the strength and time and attention session on the tuesday so no need to have like the extra conditioning in there on the tuesday at the moment 
focus the effort or like we just leaves a bit more capacity for performing on the Monday, the Wednesday and, and what's left of the Tuesday, what's already in the Tuesday session as well. Yeah. Um, and we've got on the Wednesday session. Yeah, the Wednesday session. So it's, it's very similar, really, the reasons and everything behind it to the Monday session with the ta- Tic Tacs. The, the tactic session, we're, uh, we're thinking about how to do things in terms of like how to split things up in sets and uh, yeah, set ranges and rest periods. But Wednesday, we're do- it's more thinking about how we're moving on things and how we're, how we're executing them like physically rather than mentally like breaking them up, like how we're moving when we're breathing, when we're breathing in, when we're breathing out, uh, like little technique tweaks that you might kind of, um, you know, little goals that you might give yourself. Um, yeah, to be able to, again, further develop your, um, uh, yeah, armory, if that's the, 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 the right word, so that you've yeah. going into workout more prepared because you've got, got these different tools to be able to dial in, dial out uh, any given yeah. any given time. Um, and there's two really good explanations there that I'll not repeat now. People read there, number one and number two, um, as again, to explain like why those sessions are, are really valuable. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think that, people will find in these sessions as well that um, they can get, they have with the explanations that we're given for the exercises and different techniques that they can use is even if they're like, we're suggesting using a technique that's the opposite of what, or different to what they would usually use is just play around with it and, exp- and experiment with it. Use these sessions to, to see how it feels. Because like you've said there about dial in, dial out, how you do a certain movement might be forced to change if one day you do a workout and you've had to do 100 GHD sit-ups before it or you've had to do like a, a load of deficit handstand push-ups now maybe you need to find a new way of doing that movement and if you've had a practice of these different techniques here um you'll probably find a more efficient way of doing it and if you don't you'll at least have found a different way of doing it that could be as you say like another tool in the toolbox in the future that's my and if you're if you're the tic-tac man i feel like i'm that guy i could probably do you're the, the same exercise with five different techniques to, <laughs> to um, like adjust and move around depending on what yeah. that, the demands of that workout are. I feel like that's, I feel like that's what... Um, Bob the Builder. Yeah, Bob the Builder. There you go. Um, and then Saturday is the chance that um, we can remove all of those tactics and the ways to think, and you can actually, well, not remove them, but you can use them. Um, forget, forget it all. Forget it all. Just go for it. <laughs> um, but yeah, whiteboard workout. Again, everyone knows what the whiteboard workout is by now, but it's just a chance to use what we've learned midweek, finish the week with a workout that we're just asking you to go as fast as you can, like get the best score, um, get the best time, put it up against in the leaderboard against everyone else, like see where you rank, have a little bit of a com- competition about it. Um, yeah, and just put the finish the week with you know a good, fun, hard CrossFit workout, um, where you can, yes. we can go all in. Uh, and I think yeah. we're like finishing the week uh, on that note. Um, so that's I think that's uh, that's everything there. That's how yeah. we're, we're going for this phase. Um, 
Yeah, I'm excited. Don't forget to to give us give us a name. Yes. Don't forget to help us out with a name. What you said about the the core of the the earth, I was like, oh, we've got a theme there, and this is the core. Like, what's that? What's what's that core called? It's called something. Anyway, uh, all right, we'll have to find yeah, that. Okay. So, so maybe we're going to move out. We're going to start with like this is the core, and then we move yeah. it out to like the different layers of the, yeah. The front, looking on the edge. Yeah. Jack of it all over that with his uh, geography and um, geophysics yeah. uh, degree. <laughs> cool. Right. Thank you, David. Thanks for your time. No, thank you. It's been fun. It's been nice going over the phase and looking forward to seeing how people find it. Yeah, definitely. And as as always, guys, get your um, your comments, your moaning comments, and your your banter and your and your crack in the athlete group. Just let us know how it's yes. how it's going on. Um, yeah. Cool. Enjoy. See you guys. See you later. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast with David and Steve. I think in the past it's been hard to get across the details of a phase just in a program and I think a podcast and having that conversation will just be really insightful and I think well I hope a lot of you guys you know appreciate how much thought does actually go into uh, you know the program for you guys to get the most out of it so I hope you enjoyed today's podcast if there's anything you're unsure about or you want clarification on even after listening to today's podcast if you are a current JC athlete message us on fitter okay uh, and we will get back to you if you aren't currently a jst athlete messages on instagram send us an email uh, our email address is below that is inquiries at jstcompete.com okay so we're happy to clear up you know anything that doesn't quite make sense and we hope to see you soon on the next podcast catch you soon guys